Hello and welcome to Switzer TV Property, I'm Peter Switzer and on tonight's program the positive signs for property continue to mount up. Dr Andrew Wilson, Chief Economist at My Housing Market, can't see anything that looks like rolling over the house price rally we're seeing right around the country. The founder of Suburbanite, Anna Porter, says the opportunities for investors are even extending to retail properties that look like really good value at the moment. And we put the spotlight on a trophy home in Mount Martha that looks like it's going to attract offers of $5 million plus. So without any further ado, let's cross to Dr. Andrew Wilson. Well, a few weeks back, we talked to Dr. Randrew Wilson, who was telling us that the, um, the property market was not really being as negatively affected by the recession as we would have thought. And some people actually emailed us and texted us and said the guy's a complete nutcase. Uh, <laughs> so let's just see what the data is saying now. I think you might, have be, you might be proving that he's not a nutcase. Andrew, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Peter. Yes, I, I don't want to upset anybody out there again, but uh, certainly our housing markets are uh, full of energy at the moment and uh, looking onwards and upwards. Yeah, even the Melbourne market's doing a lot better yes. than most people would have thought. Uh, well, what's the, the current state of that market? Well, it has rebounded, Peter, as you suggested, uh, just as our other capital cities did start to grow once lockdown eased. Uh, we have seen a rebound in the Melbourne market. In fact, over uh, the last two weeks, we've seen a remarkable rebound. I, uh, I track new sales, newly listed sales on a weekly basis. And uh, we had a rise of nearly 50% in newly reported sales uh, last week compared to the week before. And um, uh, the volume of newly reported sales in Melbourne is now just 10% below that of Sydney. So certainly the Melbourne market is in catch up mode. And uh, it's got a bit to catch up, of course, but I think it just shows us it really was a question of pushing the pause button in our housing markets when that shutdown policies were enacted. And uh, buyers and sellers, once they could physically get out and do their thing, really are doing their thing at the moment. And um, the prospects are pretty good uh, remaining through to the end of the year, uh, notwithstanding, of course, any further shutdowns. Yeah. And in many ways, uh, this is an obvious question, but... To see the housing market rebound so strongly and so quickly makes me think that it's a reflection of a big chunk of the workforce feels as though their job is reasonably safe and their future income is going to be okay. Do you take it that way as well? Well, that's the other thing we've seen rebounding, Peter. Of course, that's our labour markets. They've, uh, they've really uh, picked up since the shutdown. Uh, the unemployment rate uh, rose to 6.9%, of course, over September, but really that was uh, a case of the Victorian unemployment rate and we weren't surprised there where there were uh, a, sh a downward shift, a significant downward shift in jobs and participation rates in Victoria. But uh, if it wasn't for Victoria, the unemployment rate would have fallen again over September. Um, and I think that's part of the, the equation, of course. People are finding jobs again. Um, they're not having the need for government support packages and, uh, you know, confidence is rising. Australia's done a remarkable job overall, Peter, in terms of its handling of the coronavirus and, of course, its economy. Yeah, and so let's throw into this week's um, revelation from the Reserve Bank. Yes. Basically, like you and I have never seen a Reserve Bank governor tell us pretty well there'll be no interest rate rises for three years. That is extraordinary stuff, which must 
really help the housing market. Absolutely, Peter. And, um, you know, these are extraordinary times, of course. And we were heading that way anyway, I think, uh, uh, prior to the coronavirus. We just didn't have the inflation or incomes growth that uh, lower rates typically have generated. And uh, that meant we were in for a long period of low rates. And that's been, of course, uh, confirmed uh, by the Reserve Bank Governor. And it shouldn't be a surprise to us, of course. But we won't be getting any more cuts uh, anytime soon either, Peter. So I guess we have to make do with this last cut. That is, of course, if the banks pass it on. But lower interest rates are always good news for the housing market. It makes uh, property more affordable with a given income. And, of course, it puts more money in the pockets of mortgage holders. So it'll only help to uh, uh, fuel, I guess, what's been a, a really robust last month or so generally in housing markets. Do you think, given the Australian... Um addiction for property and the fact that lots of us just can't travel overseas right now, that's given added impetus to um, the, the desire to either upgrade or to sell and relocate, all those sorts of things. Do you think that is, is working into the, uh, the housing market as well? Yeah, I think you've got a very interesting point there, Peter. Perhaps there's a, a sense of... Um you know, let's let's get down to business now that the, the real bad news seems to be behind us. And uh, I guess there's, um, you know, a part of that, let's any of those property decisions, perhaps we were thinking of postponing, we're going to go ahead and do now. I've got to remember that housing markets generally started off in a very positive note at the beginning of this year. And the prices in Melbourne and Sydney are still around 7% below where they were in 2017. So there's still some value in property markets. And I think that and record low interest rates are what's clearly driving uh, activity at the moment. And, um, you know, I think that we've got to look at what the coronavirus was in isolation to its impact on the housing market. It's, it's more as though we pushed the pause button once those lockdowns occurred and once lockdowns were freed up and lockdowns started to ease, that pause button was removed and we're just getting on with the business of buying and selling. Yeah. Andrew, I was surprised about this number, uh, and given the fact that you watch the market much more closely than I do, the property market, um, Chris Joy said to me that um, something like over 400,000 expats have actually returned to Australia. Now, if that's, a, if that's the right number, that means there'll be a lot of people either looking to rent or to buy, which is another in a sense, floor under the housing market as well. Absolutely, Peter. And I think that we're seeing that in higher priced property sales, particularly in Sydney. There's no doubt that the luxury property market has picked up. It, it's been in the doldrums more or less for the last few years, but uh, no doubt that luxury property is part of the, the higher market activity in Sydney. And I think expats are part of what's driving demand for, uh, for prestige property in Sydney. Yeah. He also argues that the government's... Um, you know, success and handling the coronavirus and also all the other aspects of what's going on here, what you were actually praising earlier, really means that a lot of uh, potential Asian uh, buyers will be looking to relocate to Australia, particularly out of Hong Kong, given the, the problems there. Are we seeing any trends at this stage or is it far too early to, to see that as, as a discernible trend? Well, look, it's, it is early, of course, Peter, with still our borders closed uh, to internationals. But I think that's another role for the government is to encourage uh, not just tourists, but also business tourists and students back into Australia. 
Uh, and I think that we've got to start thinking about specialised quarantine arrangements for those particular markets. They are very important to our economy. And uh, I think that uh, given our great result, relatively great result, of course, from coronavirus, that uh, we will become a focus as a maybe a, a health safe haven as well to internationals. And uh, also all the ructions in the US may play into that uh, as well from uh, US, yeah. US uh, uh, tourists and uh, potential migrants. Are you seeing that trend that was identified as being people moving uh, or having less desire to live in inner city areas and starting to look at outer, outer suburban and regional areas? Isn't that a trend that's you know, getting a bit of momentum? Well, obviously, logically, you'd think so, Peter, but I think more than um, looking to regional areas, and of course, there's still regional areas still lack the infrastructure of big cities. So that's always something that will be in the the, uh, the minds of those thinking of relocating at the margin. But I, I think that we may start to see a shift from inner city locations to outer city locations for uh, looking for, you know, we don't have that same connection to the CBD with the home office environment. And I think perhaps uh, those will be looking for larger properties. We're already seeing vacancy rates for houses starting to fall in Sydney and Melbourne and, and in other capitals too. And maybe that's a reflection of that move from inner city to outer city uh, to take advantage of lower rents and also the not having the need to connect to the CBD and commute. And of course, looking for some extra room for the home office. Okay. And one big problem before the coronavirus was the lack of supply. Uh, yes. You know, is that changing in any way? I'm kind of thinking, are there, are there many Melburnians thinking, I'm, I'm out of here, I'm, yes. I'm going to do the Mexican thing and head up north? <laughs> well, there's been a lot of predictions along those lines, Peter, so uh, thankfully the borders are open again and we'll have to see how that, uh, how that pans out. But look, uh, I think the lessons with, uh, you know, the catastrophes and weather events is that uh, usually residents stick over the long term um, but um, but certainly I think that uh, we're seeing a, a change in demand for property types. And I think that's the challenge for planners, particularly at the state level, is to provide the type of planning regimes that will cater for perhaps medium density property in some of those uh, mid-level or, or mid-range uh, suburbs. And uh, uh, But certainly, you know, we've seen a boost, a boom in new house construction, uh, courtesy of the home builder, deposit package, but it's not really doing anything for uh, higher density development, which still remains clearly in the doldrums. And of course, that home builder package runs out at the end of the year. So uh, perhaps the government would be inclined to extend it. We'll wait and see. Okay, so reservations about high density because of you know, panelling problems and yes. cracks and structures is still making a lot of um, uh, one-time apartment buyers very, very um, hesitant. Well, that and, of course, we're seeing um, high vacancy rates, Peter, particularly in inner city, uh, Sydney and also Melbourne. Um, those Airbnb landlords are struggling to find tenants, so they're pushing their product into the permanent market. Uh, rents are falling now quite clearly in Sydney, uh, lots of supply. So that's a disincentive for development, of course. And uh, it's still very tough to get finance uh, for a developer for, for, for higher density uh, product, so you know it's still the cards are stacked against it. But we've we've got half the amount of uh, new apartments now coming into the market as we did four years ago. Yeah. One last thing: when I talk about stocks uh, and markets are selling off and 
a certain sector is out of favour, but there are good quality companies in there. I often say it's a perfect time to buy. Do you think there are some people who've got the courage to buy those good quality apartments in Sydney that once upon a time were Airbnb, uh, but you know, over time they're going to come back? Are, are there people with the courage to buy or are they a bit hesitant still? Well, it's very interesting you say that, Peter, because even though we know there's pressure on finding a tenant for landlords in inner city Sydney, their uh, unit sales are still ticking over quite nicely. And I think what we're seeing uh, at this point is demand from empty nesters and downsizers for those, as you said, quality inner city apartments. Now, mm. um, I think landlords are getting to the state now uh, with continued uh, high vacancy rates and no real prospect of an opening of international borders. Although I think we'll see more demand now the interstate borders are opened up. But I think some of those landlords may be coming a little edgy about uh, maintaining their investment properties. But to this point, uh, sales are still turning over. Now, whether we get more properties coming into the market over coming months, uh, I think that's the weak part of the market at the moment. And I think that's the big question in terms of uh, uh, inner city apartments in Sydney and Melbourne. Dr. Andrew Wilson, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Peter. Well, let's take another look at what's going on in the property market with Anna Porter, who's a principal and property advisor at Suburbanite. Anna, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Anna, just explain to the audience what you guys do. So we help investors make really good decisions around their property investment decisions, all the way from strategy through to actually going and purchasing property for them in all parts of the country if they need that extra help to, you know, find the property as opposed to just know where to buy. Okay. So what's business been like for you? Walk us through from March when the coronavirus hit to where you are now. Yeah, so look, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. March was a pretty hard month for us. Our revenue dropped 88% the first month COVID hit, so it wasn't pretty. And we really were down, you know, 70 to 80% for most of the year. Uh, but September turned a corner. So September was when you know, the biggest economic fallout was meant to happen. The economic bloodbath was meant to set in, as supposedly what everyone was thinking. We had our um, best month in September. We've had the most amount of inquiry, the most amount of clients coming on to purchase investment properties. And it's been, um, you know, it's been a really different time from September to now than the rest of the year. So, you know, th that economic fallout hasn't been as bad as what people thought it would be. Yeah, okay. Are you seeing regional uh, strength uh, or state-by-state state difference in strength? Uh, and, and where are you seeing the strength? Absolutely. There is a, a real disparity in how the markets are performing. So your powerhouses like Sydney and Melbourne, when we look at the 12-month data, it's not too bad. But the last quarter, uh, Sydney and Melbourne have both been the two markets that have had negative growth in the last quarter. Whereas when we look at um, regional New South Wales, is a contrast to that, it had 2.2% growth. When we look at um, states like Adelaide and Brisbane and Canberra, um, annually and on a quarterly basis, they've been positive throughout COVID while some of the other capitals have struggled. So the smaller economies seem to really be the ones that are forging ahead in this time, which, look, I think is very closely linked to affordability. Okay, so that's the price activity you're talking about. What yes. about inquiries from property investors? Because they are your bread and butter customers, aren't they? People who want to get, be investing in property. Are you seeing a preference for certain areas over others? 
Look, most of our clients come to us um, because they don't know what they don't know. So they don't have a preference for where they invest or what they invest in. In terms of where client inquiries are coming from, Sydney and Melbourne are still our strongest areas of inquiry. So that tells us that people in Sydney and Melbourne, the mums and dads that have been in lockdown or versions of that, have been saving a lot of money is what we're hearing. The ones that still have employment have now got more savings than ever because they're not doing date night, they're not going out, they're not doing the annual ski trip or overseas holiday. And now they want to look at how they can purpose that money meaningfully for their investments in their future. So that's where we're still seeing a lot of inquiry. Inquiry from the smaller states about investors looking to buy is is always a little bit lower for us, but that's also not where we focus our activities. That could be part of that too. Mm. Are you seeing any interest from, you know, the courageous type of investor? Because I know when, I, when I'm talking to my stock market um, customer base, uh, we often will, for example, buy beaten up stocks. Good quality companies are beaten up because the market is, say, against travel companies at the moment. A lot of the travel companies like Qantas and Flight Centre and Webjet, lots of people have been buying them because they still believe they're big good companies, but they're going to need a year or two to rebound and become you know, more normal again. Are you seeing anyone showing interest in those apartments in Sydney and Melbourne that have, in a sense have problems because there's no Airbnb customers, there's no Asian students, but people are thinking, well, the prices might be down, it might be a buying opportunity. Look, we certainly see versions of that. So um, in that inner city apartment space, we do get inquiry about it, but to be honest, it can be quite misguided in the sense that these markets were having problems before COVID. COVID is not the reason that they're struggling. They were struggling because of oversupply and a lack of demand. And that was a pre-COVID landscape. So that'll continue beyond COVID. And we're we're cautioning people against making those short-sighted decisions. Mm. The area that we're seeing a huge amount of inquiry, which has been quite surprising to us, is for commercial industrial property. Now, a sector that would arguably be one of the hardest hit in in the property market, Um, and, you know, we, we do buy a, a certain amount of commercial industrial property for our investors and we have some strong skills in that area. So it's been quite interesting. We spent a lot of time doing uh, rent relief negotiations to help tenants and landlords figure out what that landscape looked like and now a whole lot of acquisition. Mm. But more so uh, we've got to really guide people on what's a good fit. So the retail sector, I mean, we, we can't blame COVID for everything. Retail sector hospitality sector, they were already disrupted before COVID because of online sales, people moving away from that traditional model, Uber Eats, all those sorts of things are already having an impact. So it's about getting the right fit. We're certainly looking to industrial for that. And then we do get a bit of inquiry around things like development sites and whatnot. Uh, We get a bit of inquiry surprisingly as well about people wanting to look at purchasing uh, distressed assets. So ones where people are going into a bit of stress with their mortgage. I um, ethically and philosophically don't believe that's the way you invest. I think you can make money in the Australian property market without profiting from someone else's misery. Um, And the banks have a due diligence process they have to go through, as you would know, and it's not a quick fire sale like it once possibly was. So, you know, that's a different landscape. Again, we don't really dabble in that because I don't think it's the way forward. But commercial industrial has been a real interesting one for us and we've spent a lot of time in that sector. Okay, so when you say commercial industrial for the people watching, are you saying commercial slash industrial or are you saying specifically um, like little factories and things like that or are you saying even shops in shopping strips that currently haven't got a tenant and therefore they may well be sold at a lower price by the landlord? Yeah so people are coming to us specifically inquiring about retail so those shop 
front type properties yeah. and also often office blocks because they think that's where there's going to be good opportunity for buying because there's a lot of fallout in that market. Mm. We're often taking them through a journey of considering that but also looking at industrial. So the mechanics workshop or the panel beaters workshop, those things will be much more resilient through and beyond COVID and can be very good investing decisions around that. Yeah. Um, and we're hearing actually an unprecedented amount of inquiry around petrol stations, which I can tell you I talk more people out of than into, but very interesting that's where people's heads are at. Yeah. All right, so um, let's go and talk about um, the interest rate scenario, which you would have been very interested in. It's an unbelievable admission from the Reserve Bank Governor that interest rates will be on hold for three years. I hope he's lying. I hope the economy is so good that he has to say, sorry, I'm you know, George Costanza style. It's not a lie if you believe it when you say it. But um, do, do you think this is actually going to power uh, pr property prices? The fact that uh, potential investors have a lot more confidence that they can get a, a lock-in rate, like for example, five-year money, you and I are staggered that kind of money at the moment. Yeah, it's quite an unprecedented time, absolutely. Um, we were making a joke in the office that soon when you put your money in your savings account, you're gonna have to pay the bank like it's a storage facility. Yeah. Um, not far off that, I don't think. Uh, look, it does boost consumer confidence. I'm not necessarily going to say that it's going to significantly change people's budgets. Um, you know, they're already at record lows and there's already some very competitive numbers out there in that sector. But in terms of how the public see it, they, a lot of, you know, mum and dad style investors don't really know the nuances between what lowering interest rate means for the economy, inflation, those more um, sort of in-depth considerations around how that speaks to our economic landscape. All they see is the opportunity to get money cheap and that gives them a lot of confidence that they can get money cheap. Mm. Uh, are you seeing any evidence of problems around uh, home loan deferral type people who now um, may have lost their job and the banks are saying to say, well, we have to get realistic about your situation? So we've had, um, I, I've had a lot of insight into that because I've over the years done a lot of advisory around um, mortgage and possession assets. I've, I've sat on um, some panels where I've done valuation advisory around that. So I know a lot of people in that sector and Look, uh, there's an unprecedented amount of home loans that are um, on deferral payments from, from everything we're hearing. But having said that, as the banks are calling around and starting to call in these loans and work out payment structures, by all accounts and anecdotally, we're hearing that a lot of people are happy to start repayments again. And there aren't as many mortgages sort of underwater as what uh, we first thought might have been the case. We're seeing the same in the rental market with the rental deferrals. Effectively, that's created a bit of a debt bubble in its own right. But when we've analysed a lot of portfolios through a number of capital cities, we're seeing the likes of only 2 or 3% of tenants are on rent deferrals. And then when we're seeing that 2 or 3%, it's not necessarily the whole rent that's on deferral. It's only a proportion of it. Mm. So, And that's in the residential sector. So I certainly think that this big looming debt balloon that everyone thinks is about to burst may not be as bad as what we had potentially first anticipated. And I, and I really hope I'm right. Yeah. And certainly I think, I, I, personally, I was surprised that all the economists are telling us that the September quarter was a positive quarter. I, I thought we'd have a small negative and I think the kind of anecdotal evidence that you're bringing up and, and others who I've interviewed all say the same kind of thing. September ended up being a lot better than people expected. 
It certainly has. And even in the property market, for example, we've seen growth coming out of Brisbane that's had a very subdued market for three or four years. And COVID year and and the last quarter have been its best in the the last three or four years. So we certainly can't point to the data points that say the market and the economy is struggling as much as what potentially we thought it would. So, you know, that's good news all around. And and our business being in consumer sentiment, investment and property and, and probably yourself is a great barometer of how people are feeling and thinking. When I was interviewing Chris Joy last week, he made the point, which I didn't know, that something like over 400,000 expats have come home. That must be a help to the market, both for, for tenants and potential buyers. Well, the amazing thing about property is everyone needs somewhere to live. So absolutely, we we talk about the migration figures are declining and going to continue declining, which makes some investors nervous. When you hear of those numbers, a significant influx in a short period, mm. people might be staying with family as an interim solution, but eventually they'll step into the property market and that is going to have a flow through effect. So we don't, we haven't stopped migration. It's just a little different to what we've always known it to be. So we can argue that the, the ability of a family to eventually piss you off will really help the property market. <laughs> Look, that has not changed fundamentally and I don't think it ever will. <laughs> Anna Porter, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Joining me now to tell us what's going on in the coalface and particularly in Victoria, I'm inter- interested to know how that market's starting to come back, is uh, Christy Taylor from Taylor & Co Realty. Thanks for joining us, uh, Christy. Thank you for having me. Now, you guys are in that area of Mount Isa, uh, Mount Eliza, Mount Martha and so on, aren't you? Yes, it's called the Mornington Peninsula. Yeah. I, I knew it's that. a beautiful spot. Yeah, I, I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> I know you did. I was just, I was just butting in and saying no, it for you. There are, a lot of, there are a lot of people who wouldn't know that, but they would have heard the Mornington Peninsula as well. So great for yes. filling us in on the geography. Now, yes. the, the reason why I wanted to talk to you is that, you know, there's, we, we go looking around the country for, for um, you know, trophy-type properties and also to get a, a handle on what's going on. So before we ta- start talking about the property, what, what's the inquiry uh, level like for, for properties in this area? And I know I spent uh, Christmas period last year at Mount Martha and was shocked how great it was. Um, what, what is the inquiry level like at the moment? After COVID-19, obviously, we've just come out of stage four restrictions. uh, And I think people have been probably um, a bit uncertain as to where things are going um, and have spent the last few months, I think, um, reassessing their what's important to them. Um, And what we're finding is a lot of people are coming down from the city um, for a much I guess, um, a better quality of life. They've been able to work from home for the last few months. Some of that may continue for certain people. Um, So I think we're going to see some huge changes and a bit of an influx coming in from um, Melbourne itself and the surrounding suburbs. All right. So at this point in time, are you guys allowed to have physical auctions or are the auctions online? We are allowed to have a maximum of 10 people at the moment. 
Um, so coordinating private inspections um, is a little bit challenging when you've got um, properties for sale and so many inquiries. So um, we, we are spending a lot more time at the property doing one-on-one -on -one inspections and those spe inspections are a lot tighter um, to initially. So I am doing half an hour appointment times, I guess, if you like, yeah. at the Fender house. Yeah. Um, and sort of, I guess, confirming with people over the phone and via email that they must turn up on time because otherwise their inspection time will be shortened if not cancelled because there's going to be a huge line before and after. Yeah. So, ha yeah. Have you actually had a recent auction to get a feel for, you know, are people showing up? Are they willing to buy? I haven't personally done an auction um, lately. Down on the Mornington Peninsula, private sales are more uh, common than um, auctions. So up in town, they tend to get more properties that go under the, the hammer um, as opposed to down on the peninsula where we, we do things via private sale. Yeah, okay, right. So I, I guess the interesting thing is, and it was one of the questions I was going to ask you, is that there is a... Uh, a greater inclination right around the country from people who you know, formerly worked in offices in the CBDs of Sydney and Melbourne uh, who may well uh, going forward only go to the office once or twice a week or not at all. And so they are looking at alternative places to live where they can zoom in and do all that sort of stuff. To date, are you seeing inquiry levels uh, increasing from those sorts of people? Yes, absolutely, hmm. yes. So I guess, again, being stuck at home inside for 23 hours out of 24 hours a day was certainly challenging for a lot of people. Um, I guess people have lost their jobs. Um, they've had to reassess their, their level of employment. Um, they have been terminated, things like that. So they're forced into a position where they want to, um, I guess, look at something where they're going to get a bit more land, a bit more house. If, if we are locked down again, people are wanting a bigger um, bigger style, style property. Okay. So tell us about the, the trophy property that you're um, in the business of, of selling at the moment. How lucky am I? It is a trophy property. It's, um, it's a very rare opportunity. Um, just a little bit of background about the Fender House. Carl started building that um, when he was 23 years of age. He was working under the guidance of Robin Boyd at the time. Um, and unfortunately, Robin did pass away over in the UK. Um, so um, it was pretty, I guess, um, special and has a, a sentimental value with Carl Fender because he was under Robin's guidance at the time. Um, it's a property that doesn't compare to any other property. So mid-century houses are becoming more and more popular um, these days and um, but nothing like Carl, the, the Carl Fender house in Mount Martha because it's on 3.5 acres. Um, it is an original Carl Fender house. It's been restored beautifully by the current owners who have had some challenges along the way. Um, so it's, it's probably, I guess you could say, once in a lifetime opportunity. So... Tell us about Carl Fender. What, what was his style that m makes it so significant? It's iconic. It's a masterpiece. Um, there is nothing else like it. It's, um, it's 
a large home, it's uh, 55 squares, mm. um, and it's got, it was built around getting different sorts of day, or the daylight and the windows, big windows. Um, so everywhere you look, there's light streaming in, um, high ceilings, um, beautiful ceilings, timber ceilings, um, and white everywhere else. Yeah, in many ways, you see a lot of modern houses mirroring that kind of design, don't you nowadays? Yes, yes, you do. Yep. They're starting to come up um, a lot more. Yeah. They're very popular. So very much like the, the properties you often see on uh, Grand Designs Australia with Peter Madison, out in the country areas, that they've got these big, expansive places, big glass windows, lots of white, very much like uh, the property you're, you're selling. Uh, Christy, what kind of price point do you think it's going to be uh, able to reach? Well, it's positioned at $5 million. I think it's very achievable. Um, it can't be redone. It's only going to increase in value, um, having the Carl Fender name as well and the style of property, um, including being on 3.5 acres of land on the beach side of Mount Martha. Mm. So Mount Martha's got one of the most popular, most beautiful beaches on the Mornington Peninsula. Um, it is secluded, very quiet, um, and you, I guess you meander down the driveway and you have this beautiful masterpiece, um, and it is a masterpiece. It's something that I see some beautiful homes, but this one is, is outside of the square. It, it, it is amazing. Okay, and we know how totally honest real estate agents are. So I'm going to ask, I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask this question, Christy. How far is the walking distance to the beach? It's about 20 minutes. Okay, so it's a, it's a drive or a walk? Yes, yeah. correct, okay. yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. fantastic. Dep de yeah, depend, depends what shoes you've got, I think. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and if you're running, it's probably a seven-minute run. Yeah, correct, yeah, oh. absolutely. Okay, so this is going to be private sale. It won't be up for auction? It's a private sale, mm. so um, at the moment um, I am coordinating inspections. They started on Monday because we had Tuesday off as the, the, the cup holiday. Mm. So I have a full day booked on Saturday of viewings um, and some pretty eager, um, very interested parties. Okay, so given the fact there's private sale, does this operate like whoever offers the most gets it, as long as it's over what this, the sellers want to get? Well, I guess if, if, for instance, depending on the interest at the time, um, after the inspection and things like that, people will look at the Section 32. Um, if there's more than one offer on the table, it could, it could fetch a lot higher. Mm. Um, so we just need to submit those offers to the vendor. Mm the fender vendors <laughs> and um <laughs> and um yeah see what happens okay but the, but since it's gone on live um it it's it's been shared a lot of times it's had half a million viewings hmm. um it's been on the front page of the age and domain um so it's it's had some good exposure okay well it sounds as though um Someone up there likes you, giving it that kind of exposure. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Christy, thanks for joining us on the program. Thank you so much for having me and it was lovely to meet you. Cheers.